My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 167 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. If it's your first time here, audio episodes like this got every single Monday. And we have our YouTube channel where we have two seasons of our video series out and our tour series is out there. So just search Legally Clueless on YouTube. We're a bright yellow page. You can't miss us. Ooh, and you can also join our Instagram fam. We're at Legally Clueless Africa and TikTok legally clueless africa and on twitter thank you so much for the love that we received there just use the hashtag legally clueless because i kind of like stalking you (laughs) and it makes my job easier so back to this episode this is the story that's coming up a little later i spoke to one of my aunts who had been to australia and she mentioned that one of her friends in uni back in the day stayed with a family and they call this a homestay you basically just come and you live with someone's family and my aunt was like really gassing it up she was like oh it's so nice i really wish i stayed in a homestay when i was in uni because they cook for you it was this old australian couple the very very first thing she gave me was a full scalp full of rules so i remember looking at the rules list and some of them are honestly so ridiculous she had like kitchen usage times like breakfast is from 7 to 9 30 you could only have a shower for three minutes and then like no phone calls after nine there was no lunch one thing that i found very weird they would give me my dinner at seven in the dining room but they would be outside having their barbecue and like would be eating different things that is waringa her story is coming up a little later in this episode so do stick around to listen to that and speaking of stories ooh, ooh, if you have not listened to episode 166 i suggest you do i love each and every story i record for this podcast but i have never connected with a story so deeply like persis's story and i just i just keep thinking about how lucky we are that she allowed herself to be that vulnerable with us but that's i'm getting sidetracked so she did speak about opening a restaurant i did say i was going to find out when it's opening and she says it's going to open in july so once it does i will share the information with you so that as a legally clueless fam we can support each other so i'm not going to talk too much in this episode i'm feeling a bit under the weather i am on medication that has like weird side effects so it could be that but i'm gonna go and have it checked tomorrow and then i feel like my voice (laughs) My voice could be going. I wish you could see me now. Like I have different gaggling things right besides the microphone and like my Andalex throat spray as well. I used to use this when I was on radio. I use it also when I travel just because I'm so paranoid of my voice disappearing. And this would be the worst week because like I have three events. Is it three? Oh my God, it's four. One, I can get away without having my voice because I'm just attending. I'm not hosting, but three of them, Jamini. <laughs> I kind of sort of need my voice. So I'm going to not like, oh, look at me over talking after saying I'm right. Anyway, what I will share that even if my voice goes after sharing this, it'll be worth it. I did have such a powerful breakthrough in therapy last week that I really wanted to share. So it was quite a powerful breakthrough. So with one of my therapists, what we've been doing across the last couple of weeks is going through any and all losses I've gone through in my life. I remember the first time we did it, I was just like, 
I've only really had two losses, which is like losing my mom and, you know, all of the hectic shit that comes with surviving rape. But the more we dug into it, the more I've had quite a few losses, yo. (laughs) You know, on those, actually not on the grief, on surviving sexual assaults, I think I've made quite a lot of progress there because that's the main focus of my first therapist, which is just like surviving trauma in the space of sexual assault. But I, through the weeks, have realized that just like life doesn't give us time to process loss, like any type of losses. It could be like loss of friendships, loss of an opportunity. There's so many different losses we go through, but life moves so fast that either we don't get time to process the loss or worse yet, we don't even recognize a loss as a loss. Anyway, so we've been combing through the losses and the last session was kind of like letting go. And the exercises were just so powerful. Of course, I was in tears, (laughs) which is so on brand for me. But I just left that session with one word in my mind, which was release. And I think I've lived so many years kind of like trapped by either losses that I was cognizant of and some that I didn't even like recognize as losses, you know. And sometimes you think you're making progress, but life isn't stagnant. So you might be making progress with some losses, but life keeps delivering. (laughs) Package losses at your doorstep, you know, it just, life just keeps happening. But the exercises were just about releasing and, you know, telling myself that enough, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been long enough. And now that you recognize these losses, it's time to release yourself from them, release yourself from the prison they put you in, the heart they put you in, and just be kind and loving and doting and appreciative of yourself. And I don't know, it was it was such a breakthrough. I'm not saying like I'm 100% fixed now, you know, because as I say, life keeps happening, right? But it was definitely a breakthrough. Oof, I'm just like replaying some bits of the session. It was, it was powerful, you know? And sometimes like when you're doing the work on yourself, it can get so heavy and so dark and so a lot. (laughs) And you can want to give up whatever giving up looks like for you. But maybe I could share what's keeping me going in this moment. It might speak to you. I don't know. I just feel like doing all of this work on myself must produce like a really dope, powerful chick on the other side. And so I'm like, I'm just intrigued. Like I want to meet her. I, I want to I want to see what a released life looks like. And so that intrigue, it sounds <laughs> a bit comical, but that intrigue has kind of helped in like the dark moments. I didn't realize it, but it, it has. And yeah, whatever doing the work looks like for you, it's got to birth someone powerful. It would be awesome for you to meet that person, right? So this week, <laughs> look at me trying to give you homework. I just feel like if you could find some time to introspect and kind of just like figure out the losses you've experienced, even the ones that seem really tiny or seem like you're being overly emotional about them, Mm-mm. your feelings are valid, just acknowledge them. See where that goes. Yay, voice is still around so we can keep going. Woot, woot. <laughs> 
So we need to jump into 100 African stories. And I really like this one, especially after, you know, when we went to Dubai and recording stories by Kenyans living there and just like all the misconceptions about, you know, living abroad. So I was very intrigued by the story when Waringa filled out our storyteller form. We recorded this story virtually as she's in Melbourne. And yeah, that's her story. It's it's all about moving from Nairobi to Melbourne. And it's it's very insightful. It's like quite interesting to hear what that experience is like. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Zorenga and I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. I moved to Australia to pursue my master's in advertising a few years back and prior to that I did my undergrad in advertising as well in Nairobi. I chose to come to Australia because it's not as cold compared to like Europe where there's harsh winters where there's snow because I don't like the cold I knew I wouldn't be able to like cope (laughs) if I have to like live with snow. So the uni that I selected in Australia did not have accommodation on campus and before I came I was really really trying to like find a house that was close to the school that wasn't too far because obviously it's an unfamiliar place I haven't been here before and I was coming by myself. I was going to live by myself. So I just wanted to be really close to the school. Unfortunately, I was only, because I came in February, I was only able to get accommodation from July, meaning I had like six months of like not knowing where I'm going to stay, which was a bit nerve wracking. So I spoke to one of my aunts who had been to Australia and she mentioned that one of her friends in uni back in the day stayed with a family and they call this a homestay so you basically just come and you live with someone's family just like for the time that you've signed your contract or whatever and then like you move on and my aunt was like really gassing it up she was like oh it's so nice i really wish i stayed in a homestay when i was in uni because they cook for you they do your laundry it's just like you're staying at home but like in a different country so it's a nice easy transition to go into living by yourself if you're gonna live by yourself in the future so we booked this homestay and i was supposed to stay there from the end of feb until july when i got the keys to my studio so here i was coming from nairobi so excited thinking that the world is my oyster which it still is but i didn't know what to expect i knew that australia was very nice people were very friendly the weather was okay because it didn't snow. That was like, for me, that was my main agenda when it came to like weather. So I remember going to the house. Immediately I came from the airport. I went straight to that place, the homestay place. And it was a nice, lovely house. It was this old Australian couple. They didn't have their children with them at the time because the children had all left the nest and they were living by themselves and they all had their own families. And the house was nice. I was really excited because I was like, oh, yay, at least now I even know people. I came without knowing anyone, but at least now I know some people because of this homestay situation. And I remember the lady, she was very nice, although the very, very first thing she gave me was a full scalp full of rules. She was like, these are our house rules. Please try and stick with them so that, you know, we can have a good stay. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to respect her rules because it's her house. It's not my house. I just want to have like a smooth ride here. So I remember looking at the rules list and some of them are honestly so ridiculous. She had like kitchen usage times 
like breakfast is from 7 to 9 30 i'm like okay there's a kitchen close this is a hotel where like there's no food after 9 30 and then you could only have a shower for three minutes because apparently water in australia is expensive i'm like wow okay cool this is gonna be an adjustment but we can do it and then like no phone calls after nine and like just (laughs) small things like that but the no phone calls after nine was a bit of a stretch for me because there's a time difference obviously between kenya and australia i think it's like seven or eight hours depending on the month of the year so it was fine it was okay and then there was no lunch during the week but she was gonna provide lunch over the weekend i was like oh okay cool so here i am with my bags and then she helps me take my bags upstairs to the room and then i hear like a buzzing sound i'm like oh there's a bee in the room and then she's like oh maybe you came with it with your luggage i'm like oh okay i didn't think anything of it i'm over here still so naive so after a while i'm unpacked and then like I'm starting to remove like my lotion and it's like solid. I'm like, okay, this is probably obviously because of the plane, because where they put like the suitcases and stuff is like freezing. And I'm like, oh, there's there's no way I would have brought that be because there's no way anything would have survived if my oil is like solid. But okay, anyhow, let's move on. So comes to time when school starts, and then because I was doing a master's program, my classes were all in the evening, so I had the whole day to myself. My classes would start at like 5.30, some of them would end at 8.30, some of them at 9.30, depending on like the day. So where the house was, it wasn't exactly in the city next to school. It was in a suburb next to the city where you just take a train for like 10 minutes, then you get to like the city. But obviously you have to walk from the house to the train station or you can take a bus from the house there train station and then you enter the train and then you go to uni so the first time i went to class going there was okay coming back i was like okay cool it's 8 30 it's at night it's dark and you have to walk through a park at night by yourself i mean i've watched movies i know what happens in parks at night by yourself so obviously i was scared i'm like okay first of all i'm not even used to walking outside at night because obviously where i'm from it's not safe but they're like oh don't worry it's gonna be safe blah blah i'm like okay cool okay let's walk at night but i didn't feel right walking through a park because i just got scared because maybe it was just me and my like stereotypes i was just thinking that i'm in a horror movie and i'm not so i remember expressing this to them when i got to the house and i told them oh it's a bit scary to walk it was like a 15 minute walk it's a bit scary to walk by myself at night from my classes i'm not sure how we can go about this obviously there's no way like they're gonna pick me up and stuff and of my mom or my dad but like i was just expressing to them how i was feeling very scared because it's something that i was not used to and then they mentioned how they had some previous students who stayed with them and like they never had a problem and if you ever get scared you can always just knock on someone's door and they'll be able to help my head i'm like wow so if I get scared, I just go running, knocking, knock, knock, knock. Hi, please. I'm scared. Do you mind taking me to the house? Well, obviously, that was very unrealistic for me. But I just let it go. Kept going for my classes. And then one thing that, that was quite challenging was the whole food situation. As I mentioned, they didn't provide lunch during the week. And my classes were in the evening. So it would mean like I'm in the house all day. And then I just leave in the evening for class. So like I would have to leave in the morning. I go find something to do so I can be able to have lunch and then go to class and then come back to the house. I mean, it was good because I got to explore a little bit of the city and just to see what 
things are out there instead of just staying in the house which i'm it was good but on sundays their family would come over so like the couple's children and their partners and their dogs they'd all come over so they can be able to have like a barbecue because it's a common thing to do here having a sunday barbecue and one thing that i found very weird was the fact that they would give me my dinner at seven in the dining room but they would be outside having their barbecue and like would be eating different things for me obviously culturally in particular if someone comes to your house if they're a guest you give them like the best that you have you're very hospitable to them if they want food you make it for them if you're eating you eat together so it was just culturally very different i'll say that's the first time i experienced culture shock so i would sit in the sitting room and then they'd be there in the backyard with their barbecue the meat was smelling so lovely but i'm over here not eating the same stuff which is okay i was appreciating that at least i have food and then what actually did it for me was one time when i went for dinner because every time i used to go to the kitchen and like the food was there in the dining i'm like i'm looking at the kitchen i'm like gosh this place is so clean how fast does she cook and clean her dishes because i'll get there at seven and there's no dishes in the sink there's nothing on the stove like the food was just ready on the plate ready to eat so i was like oh okay maybe she's just so quick and then one time she served me this really really nice thing it was like a potato thing she said it was called a potato gratin if i'm pronouncing it correctly and i was like this is so lovely how do you make it and she was like oh uh, just one moment let me just go and check the box i'm like the box he's like yeah we usually buy this food from the supermarket i'm like wow so basically the giving frozen food so they aren't even cooking i'm like oh, okay cool then i started thinking about how like we're paying these people rent i also pay for the wi-fi and obviously the rent is supposed to accommodate like food laundry electricity water everything and like the least you can do is at least cook a proper homemade meal maybe it's just because like where i'm from we're not used to eating frozen food we're used to eating food that's so fresh literally from the farm you just go to your backyard and you pick the things that you need for dinner and you cook it and like there's your food so i also had had a lot of horror stories about frozen food how like it's very unhealthy and stuff like that so i kind of freaked out when i heard about the whole frozen food thing and the whole box situation so i called my mom like oh my gosh mom they gave me food from a box what do i do mom was like you need to move out i'm like okay i now need to start finding a place of my own and this was I think I think I only stayed there for three weeks to be honest. It sounds horrible, but yeah, I just I just couldn't deal. And then after that I met one of my friends in uni. He's also Kenyan. So he's the one who actually helped me house hunt. I managed to find a nice studio in the city, right next to my school, like literally across the road. I remember once. I was hungry in class and I was like, oh, I'll pretend I'm going to the washroom, but I didn't go to the washroom. I went to my house and I made myself a sandwich and then I came back to class. It was that close. So that was quite lovely. It was also my first experience living by myself. And obviously when you live by yourself for the first time, you start realizing things that you didn't realize. For example, shopping for veggies. So veggies go like they don't last for long in the fridge. So you have to be very strategic. <laughs> when you're buying veggies so they can last as long as you want them to last and then things in australia are very very expensive compared to things back home shock on me when i was going to buy an avocado and i saw it's two dollars and i'm converting it to kenya shillings i'm like wow that's 160 
for one avocado. So an avocado became a luxury for me. Till this day, I don't buy avocados on the daily because it's just too ridiculous. Small things like that. So being an international student, obviously it's quite intimidating. You don't know anyone. You don't really know what to expect. You're excited. You want to succeed. You want to have fun. You want to explore. So being in uni, it was quite a... It was an interesting experience. So in all of my classes, we were actually all international students. And I was the only African for some reason. And that's when I realized that there are actually not many local students in the uni. I ended up finding out that in Australia, once you finish high school, there's a bit of a divide. So half of the people go into trade schools, which are like technical schools, and then the other half actually go to like uni. So that's why my class was just full of international students. In Australia, trades are very highly regarded, which is something very different because a plumber can earn the same as a doctor, (laughs) which blew my mind. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Because it's a skilled job. So skilled jobs here are very highly paid. If you're a plumber, an electrician, even a construction worker, they get paid quite a lot. So most people, or rather half of the people would prefer to be a tradie instead of actually going to uni and doing like more corporate related things. That was also quite a shock. And I think it was, yeah, my first year of uni, I was fortunate enough to get a job in my field. So I got a job as a copywriter at the uni, which was amazing because I was working for the HR department and I was able to at least apply the skills that I had acquired at least from my undergrad. I was even back at home as a copywriter right before I moved to Australia. So it was such a lovely opportunity. We were hired, three of us. It was me and then another international student from Sri Lanka, another local girl who's Indian Australian. And it was actually such a good time. I managed to learn so much throughout that job. And because we were in recruitment, my role as a copywriter was to mainly write scripts and to deal with the shooting of the ads for like lecturers it wasn't for like yeah for lecturers which was interesting because it was like a recruitment process but it was internal growing up in africa you know everyone looks like you i mean you can't tell that you're black but you don't realize that you're black until like you're removed from that situation so I actually did not realize I was black even when I first came here because everyone was so friendly. People are not racist. People are so kind and polite. But the only time I noticed I was black was when I entered now this job because it was corporate and they have this thing for diversity. I'm like, okay, cool. Diversity just means being different. But it's a bit different here. They want to promote that they have diversity in their staff or like the school is diverse or anything like that. So I remember something that really, I was very conflicted while doing this. We were shooting one of the recruitment videos and we just wanted to showcase how like the employees here really like it and how it's such a nice working environment. But I remember when I was being given the brief, they were like, oh, pick this person and this person and this person to be in the video. So they ended up picking this Kenyan girl who was working with me as well, an Asian person and an Indian person and an Australian person. So, I mean, on their end, it's like, oh, they've ticked all the boxes. But then it was a bit dodgy because I remember in the whole HR department, it was just me and that other Kenyan girl who are African. (laughs) And when I approached her to tell her that we're doing this video and we need you to be in this video, she was like, she's not going to do it because it doesn't portray the right image because it would make it seem like there's a lot of Africans or like black people who work here and it was literally just the two of us 
in a whole department of like maybe at 50 or like 50 to 100. I think that was the very first time I actually felt like I'm black. Strange times. Anyway, my job came to an end because my contract ended. And then I continued with my studies. I did another internship, which was really nice. But it was very different because now COVID had hit and everything was online. So I got to experience working from home or via Zoom. I finished that contract and I had never met any of my colleagues face to face, which was <laughs> so weird. And then I finally graduated and it was actually quite interesting. Half of my course was face to face, the other half it was online because of COVID. So obviously we didn't have a graduation because Melbourne had a lot of lockdowns. We had like six, if not more. I lost count at six because of all the lockdowns. It was quite restrictive and very strict. So I finished my studies towards the end of 2020 and I started now looking for a job in advertising. Worst timing ever. The pandemic had hit. Many people had gotten laid off. Companies weren't doing well. So it was just a very, very tough time to look for a job. Job hunting, honestly, it's not easy. It does a lot to like your mental health, your pride. It's just a very, very challenging thing. So I knew that I was going to graduate in December. And by the end of October, I had finished writing my thesis. So I had about a month and a half of like no school, no nothing. So I started job hunting then. November 2020s when I actually started job hunting. (sighs) Looking for jobs, it's so hard, especially because I'm not an Australian citizen. Most of the jobs that I was applying for, especially in advertising and comms, when you look at the job description online, it's like only Australian citizens or permanent residents would be considered for this role. So many jobs are like that. And it was hard. Oh my gosh, where are the jobs for us who are not Australians or permanent residents? And they were there, but they are very, very hard to come by. And then ended up doing a few internships, which were unpaid, which obviously is not ideal because I need to pay rent. It's giving me experience, but I needed to pay my rent. So ended up, I kind of paused on trying to apply for jobs in comms or like advertising because some of the jobs that I would read and they were like only Australian citizens or foreign residents can apply. I would read that and I'm like, my heart would break. I'm like, wow, this is such a nice job that I really, really can see myself doing. And I feel like I'm qualified enough to do, but I can't do it. Does that mean that now, should I give up? Should I just go home? Because most of these jobs are just for Australians and permanent residents. Like, why why am I even bothering? I would go on like a job site. I opened so many tabs. I would like to line them up at the top. So I, I like go back to them and like I apply slowly, slowly. And then... I would just like cancel the ones that say Australian citizen or permanent resident. And then I would just be left with the ones for non-Australian citizens. And let's say I open like 20, I'd probably only have like three. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So I came to realize that it's very, very competitive. At some point, I actually just gave up. I was like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. And I mean, I have bills to pay. I might as well just start applying for other things because clearly comms and advertising is... It's, it's like he didn't want me. <laughs> it's so silly to say, but I felt like the career didn't want me. So I went online and I started looking at like other alternative jobs that I can apply for. I started applying for like retail stores. I started applying. I couldn't apply for restaurants because COVID. 
the hospitality industry was basically dead. Most of the restaurants were even closed. You could only get takeaway. So obviously they're not going to want to have a waitress because you can't literally because of all the harsh restrictions. So I ended up applying for like so many supermarket jobs, so many retail jobs. And like, I remember one time I applied for like eight supermarket jobs and like I got all rejections. I'm like, gosh, I can't even get a job at a supermarket. Like, what is this? It was just very frustrating, very sad. One day I just checked my email and I saw someone had responded. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it wasn't a rejection because you open your email and you just see, oh, unfortunately. If I see unfortunately, I'm closing because I'm like, "Mm, this is going nowhere. There's no point of reading the rest because... Yeah, I got a lot of unfortunately. So this one was actually quite different. It was a store manager at one of the supermarkets and he got back to me. He was like, oh, he's interested in me like joining. So he wanted me to go in for an interview. Then I did. And then I got the role. It was actually very exciting, but it was also, how do I put this? I was happy that I got a job, but I was feeling a bit sad or like, on the one hand, I was like, oh my gosh, yay, I finally got a job after four months of searching, four or five months of searching. But on the other hand, I'm like, wow, okay, it's a supermarket job. This isn't exactly where I had like seen my masters going because I'm like, okay, cool. It's fine. Let's just do it. You never know. Let's just do it. So when I started working at the supermarket, I started working in the dairy department, which was basically stocking, stocking shelves for dairy. Dairy, it's not just milk and yogurts and cheese. The dairy department also stocked the freezers. So it wasn't ideal, especially in winter, because like you come for a shift and you're like, oh, what are we doing today? Freezer, you're like, gosh, it's like three degrees outside. I'm from the cold and now I'll just stay in the cold for another three, four hours. So I I didn't really like the dairy department. There was a position that opened up in the bakery. So I would go and help out the bakery sometimes. So I'd alternate between bakery and dairy, bakery and dairy. And then eventually the bakery manager just stole me from dairy, <laughs> which obviously I was not complaining because the bakery was so nice. In the warmth, the next to the ovens, the people were nice. You didn't have to like lift heavy boxes and there was, you could chat more to people. And I really enjoyed baking. So I was like, this is the closest I'll get to like working in a proper, proper bakery. Not that I was baking or anything, I was packing and slicing bread. So I really, really enjoyed working in the bakery. And working in a supermarket, like I said, I never thought that I would end up working in a supermarket because I always thought that I'd just have a corporate job straight out of school because I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually why I decided to do my master's. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do a master's. And then the first job I'll get is going to be so amazing because I have had this qualification that I've worked so hard for. Obviously, I'll have a good job with a good salary. When I started interacting with the people who work at the supermarket, I got to like meet a lot of very very different people and most of the people who are working in the supermarket were international students but also others were not so they're like proper australians i remember meeting this lady who had said how she's worked for that supermarket for 25 years i'm like wow that's actually amazing and she used to live so far she would drive all the way (laughs) just to come to work every single morning for the past 25 years and it was crazy and Working in the bakery, because obviously the store opens at 7. It used to open at 7 during COVID times, but then the normal opening time is 6. But because you need to have the stock out before the customers arrive, the shift used to start at 5. So 5 a.m., you're already working. You wake up at 4, get ready, go to work. Shift starts at 5 a.m., finish at 12. Good. 
you're standing for like seven hours, but it was worth it. It was worth it. So in the beginning, like I said, I really struggled with my emotions. Like working in a supermarket, it's not bad, but it's just not where I thought I would be. So for the longest time, I really, really struggled with like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I work in a supermarket with a whole master's. And I actually was not the only one because I got to speak to so many people and most of them are actually graduates. It's just that it was just very, very hard, especially for international people to get a job in your field of study. So I remember meeting this one guy in particular. He was from India and he had been working at the supermarket for two years and he had a bachelor's in econ. And I remember when we were chatting, we were filling in the boxes, the shelves, and he was like, yeah, but I'm still trying to like apply for stuff because most people come here and they get comfortable. And I didn't understand what that means, but I understood after a few weeks because working in a supermarket here actually pays quite well. I'm not going to lie. And because of COVID times, the lockdowns and restrictions, it was actually the most steady job because supermarkets never closed down. So you're always guaranteed to have a job. So it had job security. The pay was actually quite good. And then it was shift work. So it's not like a proper nine to five where you have to do their nine to five. Your shifts, they could either be three hours or seven hours. And you don't work every day of the week, which was lovely. So I understood why he was like, most people come here. And they get stuck because they get too comfortable. And it got to a point where, like, I actually got so comfortable working in the bakery because I was like, this is so nice. I even wanted to be a store manager at some point because it's just funny how life happens. On the one hand, in the beginning, it was very, very hard for me to accept what was happening. But then, like, towards the middle, I'm like... As time went on, I was like, wow, it's actually so nice. I'm really, really enjoying this. But it was very hard, especially like, trying to explain to my mom that, oh, yeah, I'm in the supermarket. I don't think I want to leave. And, you know, like, she's paid these international school fees for me to come and study my master's just for me to be like, yeah, I'll just stay in the supermarket and I'm not going to leave. But eventually, something just dawned on me. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to let my mom's money go to waste. So even when I was still working at the supermarket, I was still applying for jobs, still getting those unfortunately, all those rejections, which were so painful. I managed to do two internships while I was still working at the supermarket. Like I said, the shifts are quite flexible. So I managed to do two internships in advertising. And one of them had like a role at the end of the internship, a paid role, a full-time job. And I didn't get it, unfortunately, which, you know, it was expected, but it would have been nice. So at that point in my life, I was thinking, hmm, it would be nice to actually leave the bakery. I mean, waking up at 4am, it's okay, but you can only do it for a very long time because the supermarket doesn't close. It means that you're working Monday to Sunday and the weekend shifts are the best ones because that's when you get the most money. <laughs> so I used to love working on Saturdays and Sundays from 5am because from 5 to 7, you get almost like double pay. And if it's on Sunday, definitely gonna be double pay. So I was really enjoying the money, I'm not gonna lie. And you used to get paid weekly, which is also something that I wasn't used to because back at home, you get paid monthly. It got to a point where I was actually so happy and content with working at the supermarket for the rest of my life. And looking back, I think I still would have done that. And then I got lucky. I applied for a job that didn't have the restriction. And I did, I think, three interviews. And I remember getting a call in December that I had gotten the role. I remember I was folding laundry at that time. You guys, sometimes when the people, when the recruiters 
get back to you they can either not get back to you number one or they can send you an email saying unfortunately you haven't gotten the role or they can call you to deliver the bad news so when i got this call i just thought it was bad news because i was already so used to, to getting bad news the whole oh sorry we decided to go with someone else but this one it was different she was like oh so we decided to go with you i'm like wow really it was very shocking i dropped the socks that i was folding i was just <laughs> in shock and i remember i called my mom my mom started crying because it had been so long i think i'd been applying for a job for like a year and a month and then that's when i got the call which was actually quite lovely so yeah i started my role in january and i'm finally still in it which is it's good and one of the lessons i've learned about being abroad number one try not to convert things to kenya shillings <laughs> it will just break your heart simple things like i said an avocado two dollars one sixty bob for one avocado and it's not even that big don't just i mean if you're budgeting on a larger scale please but like the small things you will do it in the beginning, but eventually you'll just give up because it's not worth it. Budgeting. It's so easy to like spend your money so badly because there's so many nice things. Everything is so shiny and new and exciting. But all those shiny and new and exciting things are also so expensive. And if you're a student, obviously you're on a student budget. So you have to be very careful with what you do with your money. The bills are expensive. Rent here we pay rent weekly not even monthly so you need to factor in rent weekly also water electricity gas wi-fi things that i even thought of paying for wi-fi <laughs> but you have to budget it in and laundry so one of the things that actually shocked me was like most of the places do not have hanging lines you know how like after you've done your laundry you just hang it outside so it can air dry especially if you live in the city in the apartments in the city there is nowhere to like hang your stuff balconies are not for like hanging clothes balconies are like for chilling out apparently who would have thought anyway so use a dryer for everything i was wondering like, there's no laundry area most of the places especially like if you live in like student accommodation the studios that they provide it's like one room it's basically a bed sitter but they call it a studio. So it's one room, you have your bed, you have your small stove, and then you have your bathroom. There is no laundry area. So you have to sort yourself out to go into the laundromat, which you get used to. Oh, always pick somewhere that's actually close to like the uni, especially because of transport. Transport in Australia is very, very good, especially in Melbourne. I love the public transport in Melbourne. You can use a bus. It will come on time. It's not going to be late. Like if it said that it's coming at 10.51, that bus is going to be there at 10.51. Come at 10.52, the bus has left you. It's not going to wait for you. So everything is so punctual. The trains, the trams, the buses. But when you move to Melbourne, rent is cheaper when you live outside the city. Because in the city center, I think maybe because there's so many people and it's convenient because that's where most of the things are that's where the rent is very expensive so if you're looking especially if your house if your uni doesn't have accommodation if you're looking for like a nice cheap place try and live outside the city but not too far like half an hour is not so bad if you can just take one mode of transport meaning like if it's just one bus ride or like one train ride it's doable if you have to take the bus and the train and reconnect to another train it just becomes a bit of a stretch also there's a big thing about house sharing here which i didn't experience because like i said i live by myself the only house share i had was the homestay so that's also good for like splitting rent 
Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. I hope you enjoyed that story by Waringa. I really did. I think sometimes those of us living in Kenya, we have a very jaded or warped view of what studying abroad looks like and, and what the challenges of that come with. It really struck a chord with me when she talked about how looking for a job, you know, affects your pride, affects your mental health. And can you imagine doing it in a foreign land where maybe you don't have the support systems that you may have had back home? Oof, that must be a lot. And like searching for a job and then knowing the only reason you're not getting it is not your qualifications, experience, etc. It's you're just not from that country. Also, when she spoke about having a master's and working in a supermarket, it's quite interesting her perspectives and how they shifted during that period. I found that very inspiring and like there's a lot of strength, I think, in that part of the story. But anyway, I, I hope you enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed the story. And as I said, Waringa did share her story first on our storyteller form. So she filled it out and then we got back to her, set up a date to record. She's obviously in Melbourne. I'm here in Nairobi and we made it happen. And it's been such a powerful month just recording stories each week. Even just Friday, I was recording some, some power. Oof, I can't wait to share those with you. I really can't wait. But if you want to share your story on this podcast, you can either in the show notes, click the link to the Google form, fill it out and we'll get back to you. If you're listening on a platform that doesn't have show notes, just check out our Instagram page. It's Legally Clueless Africa. Click the link in the bio and you'll see where you can fill out the form. Also, remember that this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. and every Friday at 1 p.m. So head over to traceradio.co.ke for a list of all the frequencies in case you travel in and around of Kenya. Look at me singing and <laughs> I'm here like worried about my voice. <laughs> Listen, listen, I have to end this episode here because it feels like I'm not going to lose my voice, but I'm also being a bit reckless. Let me even just spray some of this underlex. Ah, it tastes so bad, but it works wonders. I used to have this with me in studio when I was on traditional radio here in Kenya because I used to get sick a lot, but it was also because like... I didn't like my job, stress, nee, nee, nee. And then also like the studio is not sanitary. So one person comes in with the flu, we're all getting it. But yeah, I don't know if you've ever worked at jobs where your management makes you feel guilty for being sick or taking like a sick day. So I would always have to like come back to work before my voice had fully healed. Like the only days I'd get off was when like I like Jit didn't have a voice. Like pick up the phone, you can't hear what I'm saying. So I would go into studio armed with a small sachet of turmeric, <laughs> honey, hot water, and then my andalic spray and some lozenges. First and foremost, I feel like lozenges are the greatest corn. Those things just don't work. Anyway, so, oh my God, I'm, this episode ends here. <laughs> the voice must be preserved. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.